Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fortress Comic News, episode 343. I'm one of your hosts, Chris, alongside my co-host here, Mike. What's going on, Mike? Hey, nothing much. You know, just uh, it's November somehow. We're like halfway through November already. Don't know how time is flying so fast, but... Yeah, dude, um, just talking to people about Christmas. Yeah. 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 Yep. Uh... Anyways, that's just old people talk. Uh, we do have an interview today. Um, Mr. Stuart, Stuart Kenneth Moore is back. If uh, you lovely people remember MK Ultra Volume 1 and 2, um, if you pick up Volume 2, Chris and I are on the cover, the back cover, uh, sure. with a little nice little quote there. Um, Going to talk about Macbeth with him. And I'm excited. He, he talked about like he has some history of the story of Macbeth that deals with like witches and stuff like that so uh pretty pumped yeah pretty video listeners i forgot to change the background so <laughs> yeah oh well sorry i will say he's like the first inter interviewee that uh our guest that like has tweeted before we interview him today and was like you know i'm gonna talk about this and this and i was like oh wow like i'm getting excited now you know like like it was a tease for us <laughs> Yeah, uh, I I love Stuart. I mean, he's to, dude to this day. He like posts the episode he was on and talks yeah. about it. Like it's it's dude, good yeah. dude, and I'm, I look forward to talking to him again. Really good dude. Uh, oh, Mike, I I just grabbed this bottle and I realized there's a cork in it. I'm upset. Oh man, let's have to wait till Stuart gets here to open it. Now you just have to stare at the bottle. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> You just kept <laughs> really looking forward to drinking this, on there. This is like a Jedi test of your patience. <laughs> Everybody might see in the second half of this that I just have a cork for a screw for some reason. Yeah. Well, how did that, how did that appear? Um, yeah, not a whole lot as far as news goes. Um, no. I don't know where we got the live action avatar trailer. Well, actually real quick before we jump oh, into that. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the reason there's not a ton of news in the top half of this. Yeah, is we were talking about the strikes for a little bit, and then I think we both oh, got bored yeah. of it. Yes, yes, <laughs> the strikes are over, and it's well it, on our end. It's like the strike delayed another thing. It's like okay, yeah. like I mean, whatever. Yeah, they're over now. Like, they're over like, apparently. Everybody. Yeah. So uh, people are going back to work, and things are going to start happening. So I'm I'm hoping in the coming months, like things are going to get more eventful for us. Yeah, but, and uh, I already see like. James Gunn's committed to July 2025 for Superman Legacy and things like like that's still holding up and um yeah we'll see yeah and I'll say too because uh I'm sure people are wondering uh are, are gonna wonder but I didn't see the Marvels this weekend I didn't have time so so that came out and I was like the Marvels that sounds like a Marvel movie <laughs> And then I saw the picture of the three of them, and I was like, oh, yeah, that is a, a Marvel movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'll probably go next weekend, but I, yeah. just, I just didn't have time this weekend. It's got, it got good reviews, right, I think? No. Oh, didn't? No. <laughs> All right, then, folks. You, all right. We're Mike, the, I'm pot committed, like, at this point. Yeah. You're not turning back now. Yeah. Yeah, see, Marvel did it the right way. They, they you know, led, led with their bangers, and now they're in the – now they're – at the bottom of the barrel where it's like DC started off with the, the bottom. <laughs> it's trying, 
<laughs> try to get their way to the t- try to drag themselves to the top. Yeah, you got to get me uh, committed, and then then you can pull out the garbage. Yeah, but I, I haven't seen this one garbage. yet. So yeah. I mean, I, listen, the, the a lot of the recent Marvel movies haven't gotten good reviews, and like I liked Ant Man. It's I mean, it's not amazing, but yeah, I got to see Morlock's ass cheeks, so that was great. And Black Panther was awesome. So like Black Panther's good. Yeah, there's been good Marvel stuff. It's just critics aren't digging it anymore. Yeah, yeah, and I, I do think that I mean speeding up the delivery of the movies, you gotta the quality has to go down at some point. So, well, I was reading that the Deadpool three is mm-hmm. currently the only Marvel movie set for next year, mm. and even though like I'm not a Deadpool fan, I'm really excited that there's only one Marvel movie for next year. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of nice. Yeah, like. I feel, I feel like giving me like four in a year was getting to be a little much. I mean, I yeah. was still going, don't get me wrong, but it was right. getting, like there wasn't the anticipation anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And now they, I mean, they still got the TV shows too. So, yeah. Uh, but go ahead. Talk about your cartoon adaptation. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You got, you got yours this year with Ahsoka. Um, Avatar The Last <laughs> Airbender is an absolutely phenomenal show. Um, and, it, we got the live action trailer, which Netflix is doing. So hopefully they don't fuck it up with, you know, canceling after one season. But uh, all I can say is it looks good. Uh, the casting looks really good. And the only thing that worries me in the trailer um, is that Aang is supposed to be like a like a young childhood, like adolescent, like, oh, I'm having fun with all these dangerous things and using my power is like a very ignorant tall how dangerous the world is mm-hmm. trapped in ice um i i hope they don't make him too serious because like there's parts where he's like flying with oppa oppa looks amazing the flying bison so like that straight out of the car uh out of the cartoon uh you mean the movie the movie yeah <laughs> oh you mean sorry straight out of never-ending story yes um he yeah, I mean, and Uncle Iroh, all the casting looks amazing. Uh, the using like the we've seen a little bit of the powers and how they do like the bending. So already it's better than if they ever made a live action movie, which I'm not. I don't think that ever was done, um, to my knowledge. Never happened. So uh, this is yeah, we're getting we're getting some good stuff. And I was really happy with how they handled One Piece. Um, mm-hmm. So I think this is another show of that caliber, even bigger than One Piece that they're that they're moving forward with. So I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, never watched Avatar. Just mm-hmm. never did. Have nothing against it. That yeah. trailer looked good. Yeah, but like I have no basis to go off of with it. So yeah. uh, no, it's cool. And there's a lot. There's a lot more to it. Like each nation, the fire, the water, earth, wind, or there isn't a wind nation, but um the the their move sets are based on different martial arts styles like the fire nation is kung fu i believe the earth i, I think earth is like tai chi or, or water is tai chi but something like that but they're all different styles which is really cool <laughs> the way they picked them um yeah i'm excited really good story cool uh invincible season two episode two chris i watched it uh- I did not. Okay. So I'll just say this. Uh, there's a lot happening in this episode. We're seeing like where Mark's at, where uh, Eve is at, where his, where Mark's mom is at. 
uh, where the Guardians of the Globe, the new Guardians of the Globe are at. Uh, and then we see where Angstrom Levy is at, what he's doing. Um, I would say it's like a wrap-up episode where they're, he's like atoning for a lot of the things that his father did. So he's trying to like make up for that shit. Also trying to become a superhero again. Eve is dealing with some stuff with her parents. His mom's dealing with like her own stuff, like going through grief and Mark not being around. So there's a lot of things happening, which I think are important to the story to move it along. Um, it's just like they're trying to touch on all these things in one episode. So it's, you know, there's a lot of like moving around, moving parts, but it's still good. I mean, we we get to see a, uh, Atlantis pretty much, which you'll you'll be excited for. So Ooh. I saw like the first half of the, the first episode. And, yeah, uh, it seemed good other yeah. than the like mark being an angsty teen stuff but yeah of course yeah um dude the last uh on invincible the last volume of the compendium comes out this week oh wow so i might do i might sit down and read all of invincible again here in the near future because i was waiting to get all three and then nice. i was gonna read them yeah my project in this winter is gonna be uh going through and organizing some comics and i i pretty much have almost the full run minus a couple issues so i might be able to sit down and like flip through some issues while i'm doing it and then before i know it none of my comics are organized and i just have a bunch of invincible issues out <laughs> that's how it starts <laughs> just, folks just reading through invincible again yeah that's how it starts uh Logan's, loki season two finale already uh what do you got for me there uh so I, I guess it's tough to talk about this without spoilers. So it's spoiler right. alert, everybody. Yeah. But uh, to start, see, so season two of Loki is... I know I talk a lot about how much I like the, the MCU and the Marvel stuff, and I have fun with it. And it's like, I don't... I hope I don't get people's expectations too high and say, like, these are amazing movies or shows or something. I just, I enjoy them and I have fun with them even with their flaws, Ant-Man being a big example that I always bring up. Mm -hmm. This season of Loki is top tier Marvel, like amazing, amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. And this final episode showcases it. So it's, it's like we talked about the time slipping last episode and how he learned to control it. And while I felt that episode was kind of fillery, this episode really makes that episode look better and compare like in retrospect mm -hmm. because it gets us to this point where he can control it and he, it's basically a groundhog's day episode for the first half where he's going back and trying to complete the mission from two or three episodes ago okay and save everybody and when he finally does it and is able to do it he realizes that it's still just there's nothing that he can do, even though they completed it and they were successful, they mm -hmm. still fail. So he has to go all the way back to the ending of season one at the end of time to try to save Kang and is brought to this decision where he either can let Sylvie kill. Well, it's, it's the man at the end of time, but you know, it's Kang. He, yeah. Sylvie can either kill Kang or he can kill Sylvie. And because he, is given this binary choice of like either she kills me and that destroys all of time eventually, or you save me and I can be the man to watch over and we can protect the sacred timeline. Right. And through all this Loki chooses option three, 
which is to still go forward. But instead of going through with the plan that they had, he goes in and just destroys the, the time weave mm-hmm. and lets loose all of the branches of time. So now everything is chaos. So instead of there being a sacred timeline where everything is moving forward, flowing, and there's branches coming off of it, now it's just complete and utter chaos. It's a multiverse. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time where we truly have a multiverse in the MCU. And they name drop like 616 in it and uh, all this stuff. Nice. And the ending's so beautiful because it goes all the way back around to the original two Thor movies. Oh, where cool. Loki's going out and he's like, he's he does this and he tells them, like, literally, there's videos on Instagram and YouTube and everything. I don't have TikTok, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I'm sure they're on TikTok too. Comparing the two lines where he literally turns around and, and says the exact line where he's like, I know what kind of god I want to be, and it's I'm doing this for everybody, blah blah. And he ends up weaving time around him and sitting on the throne at the center of all of it. And when it zooms out, it's, it's fucking beautiful. Mike, <laughs> when it zooms out, it makes the world tree. So mm. Loki is sitting at the center of the, the world tree and that's his position now. Interesting. Um, it's, it was so beautiful. And then at, there's kind of a post after that, but that's really where everything ends. Yeah, and they they show the TVA and what Owen Wilson's going to do moving forward and everything, and like mm-hmm. they also drop a hint of uh, what happened in uh, Ant Man Quantumanium because they're like, oh, there was this uh, Kang variant because that's what the TVA is kind of brought to at this point is like we need to deal with these Kang variants that mm-hmm. we know we're going to bring war, a secret war, uh, <laughs> wow. and uh, they're like, yeah, something happened on six one six, which is the MCU in this version. And uh, but they took care of it. It's fine. And they kind of move on from it. I was like, that's that's (laughs) amen. Yeah, right, right. But yeah, it's just it's an awesome episode. It's and it seems like uh, Hiddleston's been hinting pretty heavily on the now that he can do press circuits because all the, the strikes are over that. This is Loki's conclusion. This is where he ends. Mm. Um I'm sure they'll get him to come back for like oh yeah he's Secret Wars or something, yeah, but I don't sure. expect a season three. Mm-hmm. I don't expect him to be a major part in anything. He'll probably be a cameo in like one of the two Avengers movies. Um, but yeah, if you're, it's tough because you're a lapsed Marvel fan. I don't think this is going to bring you back in. But this is another one of those moments where I talk about um, continuity story arcs and Mm -hmm. storytelling and this is why i love continuity based storytelling because this only happens because of 14 years of tom hiddleston being loki yeah Um, it's a long time and it's great yeah so So absolutely love this season it's some of the best marvel stuff i watched i think first two or three episodes uh but it's really good um it's really good and what's his name uh key is just so good yeah (laughs) i'm a uh, short round he's just his character is amazing he's great throughout the, it. the part him. where he they're like talking to him in the future and the past was so great yeah he's like i just talked to you he's like wait he's like i've never seen you before he's like wait a second i did i or he's like i need to build this thing oh wait i have built it that's <laughs> so funny i yeah i look forward to you getting episode five the one that i i was kind of iffy at the time 
yeah because his his part in it is the best part where he's like this this weird guy who's uh-huh trying to be a sci-fi writer and everything but well, yeah he, uh and like the comic book sides of it is like he's like well how did i know that he's like because loki must be talking to you in the past he's like wow you're right there's nothing wrong with that logic at all exactly it's just, like, yeah oh, we're, we're good yeah we're just gonna go with it that's uh, some of the stuff that like they do and they've yeah. done in the past like i always go back to end game where they start yeah. talking about um time travel yeah and they almost literally say like so like back to the future and like yeah back to the future like, okay yeah and in that moment like, i'm just like that was simple and now i understand the rules yeah right you don't need to <laughs> you don't need to like set all these boundaries up yeah yeah you're good no i i really enjoy it so i can't wait to get to the season finale it sounds awesome yeah and then six episodes is really good like it doesn't overstay its welcome it's yeah. short and um done really well so cool yeah all right, everybody, we're going to jump to this interview uh, with Mr. Stuart Kenneth Moore, and we'll see you on the other side. All right, everybody, we've got another very special guest, returning special guest, Stuart Kenneth Moore. Welcome back, Stuart. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back. Um, Pleasure. You know, not many people put us on their hardcover book uh, <laughs> with quotes and such, so you have a free spot. I mean, oh. if you... If, if you want the show, we'll just give you the show at this point. But I'll just need, uh, to, I'll need to put more quotes about you in future things <laughs> and make sure I keep coming back. It's an uh, easy way to sell two copies. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it really Double is. My earnings. Yeah. Double my earnings. Uh, <laughs> and for so, our, our newer viewers and listeners, I mean, MK Ultra. Oh, there we go. Volume one and two. Volume one and two. Um, that's what we had you on originally. And that was that was a few years ago, Stuart. Now I'm thinking yeah. about it. Um, but I mean, I think a lot has happened since then. We're going to talk about Macbeth today. Um, but I mean, you, you said you're doing comics, you're doing covers for 2000 AD. We were just talking about that before we started recording and I was like, okay, okay, maybe we should record. (laughs) Um, so I just want, I want to ask about that because your style, we talked about and like the painting behind you, you're, you're doing oil paintings. How does that I mean, it's probably a simple answer from you, but like, how does that get transferred to a a comic cover? Do you need like a really high definition scan of like a painting that you're doing or how does that work? Well, one of the, one of the things that drove me to go back to oils, like the painting you see behind me here. Yeah. Done before I went back into comics. I was really doing figurative painting at the time. Uh And, um, and like I said, before we recorded it, just by coincidence, by luck, it ended up in this film, which is now considered a Czech classic. But, um, uh, the comic, the comic thing. Um, I noticed that Brian Ball. I saw an interview with Brian Ball and Dave Gibbons. Uh, there was a web page. I think it's been wiped from the internet, but it used to be able to go to this web page. And Dave Gibbons and Brian Ball. And we talk about how they did their. They started doing their art digitally. Mm-hmm. So um, initially, what I wanted to do was paint like you see behind me. Paint a comic like that. Yeah. And I think that would be awesome. You know. So I've wrote. I've written to everybody. I've written to publishers at DC. I've written, I don't think I've approached anybody at Marvel, but I've approached various people saying, how about an oil-painted comic? I'm going to do a whole comic like that. Right. Um, and there's no answer from it. Nobody gets back to me about it. It's just, <laughs> nobody cares, I guess. Uh, and also, maybe that's a good thing because it's a lot of work. And it's right. hard to do right. a simple comic or a painted comic. Yeah. If you think about it, you see the work of somebody like... Um, um, uh, Liam Sharp is probably similar. Liam Sharp, you know. Yeah. I'm thinking of um, what's his name? Uh, Alex Ross. Corbin, uh, Corbin or Alex Ross? Yeah. 
great example. Yep. So there's a fantastic artist who's using, you know, modern, full-on painting techniques like yeah. Um, here. Uh, but he's doing fantastic light effects and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, which is very unique to him. But Richard Corbin was the guy I was yes. thinking. Richard Corbin, yes. Yeah. Well, which I love because Corbin's kind of highly realistic, but it's also cartoonish. Mm-hmm. So it's a feel. I love that stuff most of yep. all. So anyway, I've always thought somebody would take me up on this, but nobody has. But then with the rise of sort of AI, I've moved, mm-hmm. quick, to cut a long story short, I've moved into doing digital work you know, by looking at, you know, what Gibbons and, and, and Bond were doing with those tech, uh, with those uh, tuts that they put up on the web, mm-hmm. I really do it digitally. And it's easier because you can just send it, you can compress it, you can send it, you can, if your editor asks for a change, you can fix it easy. But, um, but now with the whole AI thing, I'm kind of sick of the digital thing. So I've been yeah. trying to make uh, efforts to be more traditional, mm-hmm. use traditional media, but it is a pain in the ass. Oh, so, yeah. For example, the painting behind me, not the one, not this one. Right. The one you can't quite see that's on the, the easel behind me here. Yeah. And I can't show it because it's this new double right. wraparound Judge Dredd for 2080. I can't show it. Well, you can kind of see me, but yeah, so I've got to hide that. There you go. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got to see it, but we can't We can't show it to, to everybody, everybody else. else. They've got yeah. the fans have got away or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah. Anyway, um, or I'll get shot in the face. But, um, <laughs> by Judge Dredd. Yeah. By my alien editor who yep. will kill me. But anyway, um, so uh, that's oils. But I only have like an A4 scanner. So mm. I scan that canvas and it's like a meter across. So it took ages to scan. And, yeah. then, I'm doing, and then I'm doing stitching. I'm stitching all the scans together. Before mm-hmm. you know it, you're actually digitally reworking the picture. So it's like, yeah. why did I do any of this? It's a lot you know? more work, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. What yeah. what kills me is we brought up Alex Ross in that conversation, and I, I think every comic fan has either read the uh, Marvels or um, Kingdom Come, and they're both, and each respective publisher considered top tier comics. So, like to do something in a traditional painted style, whether I know it's different oils to what he yeah. does, but immediately when you said that i was just like that'd be a selling point right there like if somebody came on and said an oil painted comic i'd be like that's unique and different and Mm -hmm. it could be really cool especially with how realistic you get with some of your oil paintings i'm sure you will painstakingly kill yourself over that time period but (laughs) i will enjoy the hell out of that comic yeah i'll read the comic and be like damn that was good (laughs) you will enjoy me being hoisted by my own guitar (laughs) you know but yeah. the, the thing is, it, I don't like to say it, but I mean, it's like nobody, at a certain level, no one really wants to see it or care about it or whatever. And it really drives me crazy because people like Alex Ross are proving the point. Right. And Richard yeah. Corbin proves the point. And um, any number of other people who've gone in that direction. And it's not like I can't do it. You know, right. there's the evidence. Right. Yeah, the, right. Exactly. I feel like with some of these um, publishers, it's like if you don't do exactly what you're going to do mm-hmm. they're not going to they're not going to entertain it which means you've essentially got to do it for them to see that you can do it it's right. ridiculous so right. i would have to make some kind of incredible if it was batman or superman or the hulk or something i'd have to paint all these things in a really complex way which would be wonderful i'd love right. to take the time and do it but that's going to take me a week right you know paying the bills that week exactly you know? yeah i'm i'm going to paint i'm going to do the i'm going to do the commissioned work i'm going to do the pages that i'm being paid to do yeah, and uh, and I'm going to pitch at the same time. Look, I can do this, 
I can do these kind of comics, but painted like this. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, uh, but yeah, you just, it's a flat, you don't hear anything. It's like tumbleweed, nothing happening, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm surprised not even, I mean, you said you're doing covers for 2000 AD. Have you, have you been doing any other cover work or is that pretty much it just for them? Yeah, it's mostly 2000 AD, but I get, I've had quite a few, like I've got three covers in the can right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know when they come out, but they're, they're in the, you know, they're with 2000 AD and they've been approved and paid for and done ages ago. And when they come out, if they come out rapidly, yeah, people are going to think, God, that guy's getting loads of work. But it's like, that was done. They were done ages ago. You right. know, the one I showed you that was done in the summer. And, right. You know, so, but it's great. I love working for 2000 AD. They're just fantastic. And I, yeah. I don't say that. I'm not like kind of trying to burn nose or whatever. They, I really love them because yeah. I grew up like, that was my comic when I was right. a boy. Right. You yeah. know, so I don't know what your first real comic, whatever the real comic was that grabbed you when you were a kid, yeah. you can do it now, or at least contribute in some small way. That to me is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. No, I, I agree. Heroes for Hire for me. Heroes for Hire. Yeah. So it's like yeah. that. So if you're a spinner speak, rack in a, in a airport, you can't find, oh, really? you can't find a comic book in an airport anymore. That's not, no. that's not how that or, works. Or a spinner rack. <laughs> yeah. Or a spinner rack. Yeah. yeah. Those are things of the past. Yep. <laughs> You know, I get nostalgic for an era that I don't, I never even saw. And it's when I see these pictures of uh, old newsstands from America right. from yeah. the 40s. And, and yep. you just see it's like thousands of comic books. Yeah. You've yeah. never heard of them, you know? Yeah. And never. they're also, and many of them are like, they're obviously quite mad, you know, mm-hmm. like brilliant. So yep. that era is gone, unfortunately. But we've got the this other era now with the, the stores and, and you get these great, great things coming out, great comic books. I've had an experience since I last met you guys on, on this show and it was, we went to Milan, my wife and I. Oh, nice. And Yeah, and one of the reasons was to um, to see this uh, this Codex, uh, Codex Atlanticus by uh, Leonardo da Vinci mm-hmm. and it's the famous drawings of various things he'd invented yep. and so we went to visit that and um, and it was just a wonderful trip, but but this wonderful byproduct of the trip was that we discovered there was so many comic book stores in Milan. Really? There's like, you know, as soon as we got in, in the, we came off the train, or I don't know how we get into the city from the airport, but we, we passed a newsagent and you know, it was just stacks of comics. Really? You know, just in the place you'd go like to buy your, I don't know, your chewing gum, there's like a whole yeah. bunch of comics. And I really? thought, well, that, bode, that bodes well, you know, if it's just a place like this, who knows what their comic stores are like? And I, I looked them up online because we stumbled on two comic stores. Mm-hmm. And it uh, turns out there's something like 26 comic stores or something like that in Milan. Wow. In Milan alone. And That's got, amazing. And it's crazy. You go in, of course, they've got, you know, all the, all the ones we know, but they've also got like tons of titles you've never even heard of. Mm-hmm. T- titles that are never published in English. They're just produced for the Italian market. Right. Just, right. Yeah. So are they all in Italian? Yeah. The yeah. other thing is they, they, they do have this kind of, so they had things like Batman and stuff, but they're translated into Italian, but they don't tend to bring in books and translate them. They do a lot of homegrown books, it seems. Mm-hmm. So they're all titles that are really tempting. To, you want to buy them just to absorb them because, right. you know, I, I wouldn't know what the hell was going on, but I just want to have them, you know. It just looks cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you, and they're, you can just tell they're great little stories and they're very personal and they're, mm-hmm. you know, like of life and just so that's amazing yeah i've been i've been doing reading on french and english uh comics because it's such a blind spot for me in my comic Mm -hmm. reading Mm -hmm. and uh because years ago uh you you were probably 
well aware of this, but that movie Valerian came out. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was eh, whatever, but uh, yeah. it introduced me to the comic, which I believe is a French comic. It is. Uh, and I bought the first volume and I read it and I was like, this is actually, this is really good. Yeah. And recently I got back in that bug of like, cause I've been getting back in the manga. Right. And I've obviously always loved American comics. I was like, I, I need to expand. And yeah. actually 2000 AD judge dread in particular is one that I want to like right. really dive deep into and see like, there's gotta be something here. Cause you, you yeah, know, oh, there is. you, you all yeah. love it over oh, there. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's great. The great, you gotta bear in mind with dread that, what you're dealing with is a kind of um, satire, you know, mm. it's a heroic thing, but it's a satire. And also your moral compass comes into play here and there. Cause sometimes he's not such a good guy, you know, he's, right. the he's unwavering with what he decides, but that doesn't mean you agree with what he did. Other times he's clearly the hero in the story. So it's, it's a great, it's great fun. Very funny. If you think about it from a kind of ironic point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, but the like, I was the opposite because um, I did have some experience with American comics growing up because uh, I was born actually in Los Angeles, so and spent a few years in America before my family settled back in Scotland. So I did have some experience in American comics, but my big experience with comics came from first with 2008 and then trying to find more stuff like that, and then realizing there was all this wonderful Franco-Belgian science fiction. So, um, so Valerian's a really good example. And I don't know if you've seen me ranting. I don't rant that often these days, <laughs> but I don't have the energy. But, uh, you know, Valerian was a big uh, part of what became Star Wars. And mm-hmm. it's never yeah. really, it never gets the credit for that. But uh, I think his name, Jean-Michel Messier, was the artist. That's his last name. I forget the, his first name. But, uh, but Messier, he was the artist. And um, so much of what he did was just, folded into Star Wars and mm-hmm. same with uh, same with Mobius but uh, Mobius is slightly uh, slightly different in that he did work for the film industry so you can kind of start wondering where that begins and ends but yeah. he, and all his stuff's you know part of Star Wars there's a there's I don't know if you guys have seen the pictures but I first saw them when Dave Gibbons posted them and there's there's side by side side by side images of you know various Messier images from Valerian and images from Star Wars and it's just one for one Really, and Valerian was drawn in seventy-two. You know, wow, yeah. yeah. Well, when I was when I was reading about it, and I want to dive deeper into that series because I only bought the first mm-hmm. volume, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I read that that um, Lucas read those and like really loved them. So it's that was one of the inspirations on top of obviously like Flash Gordon and some other yeah. stuff. But another one that a lot of people don't know is the director of that movie mm-hmm. is the same director as The Fifth Element. Oh yeah. One of my favorite movies of all time, by the way. Yeah. And the fifth element was him trying to do Valerian because uh-huh. he's like, they'll never do a Valerian movie. Oh wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that so. movie is strongly inspired by that comic as well. Of course, with the taxi cars and stuff like yeah. that. That's that's straight out of Messier, those taxis. Yeah. And um, but you know when I when I went to see uh, uh Fifth Element and I adore that film. Um, we went to see it, and um, and I I kept saying to my wife, "This is like amazing. This is like this artist that I love. This is just like Mobius, you know." <laughs> and in the credits, it says concept artist Mobius, so or Jean Giraud. <laughs> so he's, he's he's credited in there. But uh, so he did work on it. But um, but um, uh, you know, last night there's a great cinema here in Prague called Kino Ero, and they do right now they've got like a kind of science fiction thing on. I actually know that uh, that's coming up, but um. I don't know really what the theme is right now, but like last night we went to see 
yeah, last night we went to see Baron Munchausen uh, at Aero. Mm. After Baron Munchausen, uh, it was Fifth Element, and uh, and I was tempted to stay and watch Fifth Element in the cinema. Yeah, for, yeah, that would have been awesome. It's so but it was good. totally like... sold out. It was totally sold out. You couldn't get tickets. So really? Could, oh, yeah, man. you couldn't get tickets. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I love Fifth Element. And did you know that it, uh, there was a bit of a stushy about that with uh, Alejandro uh, Jodorowsky sued mm. Luke Besson for Fifth Element because there was still these elements that had come from Jodorowsky's books. From um, oh really? Huh. Yeah, and Besson had you know had these things folded in and and but it gets really ridiculous the stushy because he had Mobius as a concept artist. And Mobius was Jodorowsky's uh, artist on those books. So mm. it was, in the end, they had to just kind of say, well, Mobius, actually, it's Mobius' fault. Yeah, <laughs> so, right. Yeah, he's the one that did really the concept. So um, that's, that's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, you can find a lot of the influence, too, when you go back and watch movies like from the 50s, like Forbidden Planet. Yeah, I love um, that movie. For sure, for sure, Lucas. Watch that, yeah. watch that movie at one point and was like, I think I could take some of these shots and put them in yes. the You know, like uh, a lot of that environment, yeah. Yeah, the environment in that movie is particularly great because those are those are matte paintings, which they don't do anymore, but they used right. to shoot through glass. Yep. And the, in that film, Forbidden Planet, is a fantastic example of matte painting. Yeah. With the cool. scenes where they're walking through the underground passages in Mars. Yeah. Oh, I don't Yep. Is it Mars? I think it's Mars. Oh, whatever planet they're yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, one of them, yeah. Planet, and yep. you see these wonderful things happening. And the thing with matte paintings was you're only meant to hold a matte painting for a split second, you know, because mm -hmm. the imagination, the human imagination breaks it and realizes it's a painting. Right. So it can only be up for a second or two. And um, But they were so good, they managed to hold them for quite a long time. And, yeah, and make the know. lights play off of them and stuff. Oh, yep. I love that film. It's just yeah. such a cool It's great. So yeah. let's let's. I mean, some movies talk, to watch when we're done with this. Yeah, I can talk. <laughs> I, dude, so Stuart, you said you said you did bring up a point though. You're like, you know, I could I could rant and and get yeah. all worked up about these things. And I believe that over a few years ago when we talked to you, you were very, I would say, more like about MK Ultra. You were like, you know, really, I don't know, like sticking it to the man kind of thing, oh. right? Yeah, that's the that's what I thought, but. I will say now, like talking to you now, it seems like you, you, you've just absorbed so much more, and you're kind of just like you're just taking it all in, and yeah. just kind of where you're at. And it, it's it's interesting talking to you now. It's almost like a different person, <laughs> but it's awesome. Well, well, yeah, yeah, maybe it's a different person. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe no, but no. It's I think it's great, and I to see you doing this now. But um, let's talk Macbeth. I mean, that's why sure. we're here, right? Uh, yeah. I wanna yeah. I wanna promote you as much as we can. Okay. And uh, so the tragedy of Macbeth, the graphic novel. Uh, where, when did you decide to take this on? There it is, right there. Yeah. Yeah. This is. Um, so I did this as a initially as a, uh, a personal project. I do a bit of acting. Um, okay. Uh, not much. Small A, not big A. Yeah. Uh, but I don't. I don't do like the background stuff. I do. I do act. You know. So I'm. If I'm in something, then I usually have lines of some kind, but I don't. I don't usually have very big parts, but um, but um, and that's fine. That's that's actually really cool. But it, I know a bunch of actors here because of this in Prague, and they had been putting on all these Shakespeare plays, and in particular this one, Macbeth, and in this one uh, year that they asked me to uh, 
take part in some stage productions that they were doing. Um, it was the 400th anniversary of the death of Shakespeare, and they were going to be putting on pretty much everything uh, that he had written. And um, the company's called Prague Shakespeare Company, and they're fantastic. And um, but I I didn't think I could I could I could do it. I didn't think I would be any good as a stage actor. And also, it's very I think it's really really committed work. And I didn't yeah. see how it could fit in with my work as an artist, and I'm primarily a visual artist. But I thought, oh, you know, maybe I could draw, you know, study the actors at work and then and draw it. So mm-hmm. I set about trying to do this as a seven-day project. I try and draw a comic book, a graphic novel in seven days. A 160-page graphic novel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, Two years later. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Um, yeah, but no. It, what happened was um, I realized. Well, I haven't done that, but I've managed to do something like forty pages, so or, or thirty pages in a week. So maybe wow. if I just That's keep impressive. going, maybe. I'll, yeah, I got I got uh, twenty eight days in, and I was done. So I did wow. it in 28, 28 days. Wow. And I was averaging about three or four pages a day, but there were days I hit six pages, and uh, and I would think about Jack Kirby, you know, like yeah. how he he had an astonishing page rate like that. Right. Um, right. But, um, and I still don't know how, but he, he was just a machine, an amazing artist. But Wise so, um, yeah, yeah right. absolutely. And um, so, uh, and at the end of the month, I was an absolute wreck. You know, I I looked like one of the witches by the end of it. I was all like greasy <laughs> and ruined. I don't think I bathed in days. Whatever. Yeah. But anyway, I got it done, and uh, and then I self-published and sold it around Prague, and I sold about 120 of them. Wow. And so I paid for them. You know, the big problem with comics, as we're talking about the painted right. artwork behind me, is that if you don't have someone paying your page rate, then it's all coming out of your ass. You know, yep. how you right. make that yeah. comic book. And so that's why you, you go around saying, hey, you know, I could paint a comic book. I could do mm-hmm. this. Put mm-hmm. some in that. Because, you know, you can't afford to sit about and just do it. So, right. But with this one, I figured out the style, which was really simple, which had no shading. And it just uh, involved like cutouts, it's really fast cutouts, like slash, 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 make a face, you know. And um, and I didn't even plan it. Like with MK Ultra, I plotted it. So the first month on MK Ultra was just me doing a, a doodle book, which was the whole book, but in doodles with all okay. the words yeah. scrambled in every po- every panel. But that took a month. But this, I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do it. See what happens. How many yeah. pages I like, find out at the end. So um, got that done, and then uh, and then it was it was out, and and then I, I did a Create Space one with Amazon, which uh, was a POD, so it's publish on demand. So if you wanted it, you could buy it on Amazon, and maybe print one and send you. And that was pretty good. And then um, but then Clover really liked it and said they'd like to publish it officially. So I took the POD one down, and and we you know. Uh, repackaged and we put the 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 complete Shakespeare uh, text in the book. So now you can read the um, this version that I've done on the check on the check stage, um, and then at the back you can actually refer to the complete original Shakespeare text if you uh, want to play I, on. You know? I, and I think it it is a beautiful book the way you did the black and white. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and the the cover too and i will say to everybody it is on clover press website it's also on sale right now for less than twenty dollars so it's Which a good deal cheaper than the amazon price by the way yeah so and also supporting clover press is where it's at yeah thank you <laughs> yeah um, and, um i'll tell you I, a little bit yeah you know? go ahead no go ahead well, 
Well, okay, so I'll tell you a little bit about the... I've told you a bit about how it came about, and yeah. um, I'll tell you a little bit more about that, and then I'll tell you about the um, the sort of darker side of it, which I sort of talked that's about. What, yeah, that's what I want to hear about, just because I, I, I mean, myself, I'm not a huge Shakespeare fan, and I don't know much about Macbeth, so I'd, yeah, I'd like to hear that side of it too, so... So I decided to, you know, draw the actors who were performing the plays and mm -hmm. then the play. And, um, and but then I decided to draw them against what I remembered of Scotland. So I, I grew up in the northeast. Um, my family are from Glasgow, but spent a lot of time up in the northeast of Scotland and about maybe 20 miles from what would be the demarcation point to the highlands, just just below what would be the highlands. And uh, it's just not it's really Mark, Macbeth country. And uh, so um uh, so I tried to imagine those things without really looking them up. Those places I'd been, places I'd gone on hill walks, this kind of thing. And so I set the actors against that. So that's uh, how it's got kind of a memoirish kind of quality to it as well. But um, as for the uh, the history of the the play, it's really quite interesting because in this story, um, Macbeth and Banquo meet the witches, and the witches tell. Macbeth that he'll be king but he won't have any he won't sire any kings he won't have any children who become king uh, but Banquo won't become king but he will have children who will become king so this leads to a kind of power thing where Macbeth tries to get rid of Banquo and get rid of his son so he won't be a, a threat to his his future lineage um, and uh, he does the same with Macduff and he seeks the company of the, 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 the witches and asks for various, you know, he asks them for more insight into the future. And so they give him these prophecies. And um, what's interesting about the Banquo thing is that at the time that uh, Shakespeare was writing the play, uh, there was a Scottish king on the English throne. He was the first of the Stuart line, and he sort of united uh, the kingdoms under the under the crown. So he was James the sixth of Scotland, became James the first of England, and um, he was uh, he wrote a book called Demonologia or Demonology. Mm -hmm. um, he also was the guy behind the King James version of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So what's uh, what's kind of interesting about that is that um, I think the witch burnings that kicked off then were really a propaganda exercise to sort of sell him as a as a good Christian king mm -hmm. to the English public who might be suspicious of the fact that he was Scottish. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, think, I think because it, there's this famous booklet called The News from Scotland and you can get a little bit of it in the back of Macbeth. I put, I put some details in there so you can look it up if you want. And um, News from Scotland was this like, what, what was called a chapbook. It's kind of like a proto-comic book, mm -hmm. little drawings and various things. And it was all about the witchcraft trials in Berwick. And the reason there were witchcraft trials was that uh, people had seen witches standing on the coast trying to cast a spell into the, to make a storm as the king's wife was coming across in a boat from Denmark. Mm. So she rode into it. She, they went into storm. And the, the accusation was that the witches were trying to sink the ship that carried the queen mm. or the queen to be. And, um, and so uh, uh, the trials kick off and they tell the king that this has been the case. And the king, the king's doubtful. He, he seems to throw cold water on this idea that they had tried to sink her ship. Mm -hmm. Storm. And, uh, and he says, well, if you're in touch with Satan, he says to one of the witches, 
tell me in my ear what my wife said to me uh, on my wedding night. And so the witch comes up and says, says this thing in his ear. And oh my God, he says, that's exactly what my wife said and so on. So he believes at that point. Mm. So to me, that's just a, a very cynical exercise to sort of show right. he's a fool. He's not going to easily fall for this. Yeah. But it's so convincing. We just have to set fire to all these people now. You know? Right. Yeah. We just have to burn everyone. Yeah. <laughs> just have to kill them all. Yeah. So, um, so I think that was just, a, I think the whole thing rests on that. The other thing that's uh, odd is that the king was almost certainly gay. Mm-hmm. So, and it wasn't bad enough. He was Scottish. He was gay and Scottish. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, so he, had to, he had to find another group to terrorize yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get because, the get the heat off him. Yeah, because he's quite it's quite clear, and if you read his letters and I've looked at right. it, quite clear uh, that he's quite open about it and among mm-hmm. his uh, among the people in the palace. Yep, and that would have got out, and um, so there was a number of reasons to reinforce the idea that he was a a good example of a Christian king and not. First, a suspicious Scot, and second, possibly with Catholic inclinations. Because mm-hmm. there's this whole thing about Catholic Protestantism that was going on at that time as well. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's the added thing of, you know, something that was a, a crime probably punishable by death then, being being a homosexual. So that was, it's quite interesting. So um, anyway, uh, Shakespeare has built into the play this whole thing with Banquo because... King James the the first um, laid claim to be of that line, the line of Banquo. Mm-hmm. So when you read the play and you see the witches are saying you'll have a line of kings, that's Shakespeare's way of saying this isn't. I'm not talking about that Scottish king. Right. This is Macbeth. He's another Scottish king. And he's a he's in a different line entirely. Right. So and that line dies out, and we go mm-hmm. with Banquo. And so that's and I think he did that also for a few reasons. One was that I think King James the first was also the the sort of patron of Shakespeare. I think his company was called the King's Men, mm-hmm. and I think they were he was the chief patron of the of them. So, mm. so anyway, that that's just the darkest side I think of it. That they they just uh, uh, generated this um, hysteria and scapegoating. Yeah, uh, and yeah, so. I think uh, I, I I didn't really know that about Scotland itself, though. It does it have a history of like witchcraft? Mm-hmm. With trials and everything like that. Yeah, the, on the, in Aberdeen, I think I'm right in saying that on King Street in Aberdeen, they burned 500 women. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god. And um, I say, being Americans, we always hear about the Salem witch trials. Salem witch trials. Yeah. yeah. And I was at a book signing tonight, and uh, someone made a, a a guy actually from Colorado made a very good point about Salem, saying that because they joked about, well, you've done this this book about MK Ultra and LSD. Is there any connection with LSD with Macbeth like I, like I'd be <laughs> like I'm yeah. obsessed with LSD or something which I'm not yeah. and uh, never took it or never yeah. ran of that kind of thing and, um, but um, uh, I I said you know it's funny you should say that because there was a line in the in Macbeth about have you taken I don't know who it says it I think it might be um, Lady Macbeth may may say it in frustration t- to Macbeth himself have you have you taken lost sense you know lost your senses Right. You're taken of the root mm. that causes men to lose their minds. I'm mangling the text, but that's basically yeah. it. Mm-hmm. of the root. Yep. That's root. And LSD comes from ergo, which grows. It's a fungus that grows underneath the underside of um, mm-hmm. like wheat. 
-hmm. So, um, and then this chap from Colorado said, you know, uh, the reason I asked, uh, you know, is it possible that there's a connection uh, throughout the book? Because there's some theory that the Salem witches, there was a, there was some kind of um, poisoning involved in mm -hmm. in their in their trial that they were tried partly on on something that had happened due to them having been poisoned by a similar kind of uh, psilocybin or something like a fungus, like an ergo fungus. Because you can, you can, you know, people have had LSD experiences essentially way back in history, like eating rotten, rotten vegetables. And yeah, not realizing yeah. it. Yeah. I was gonna say, there's theories. Um, I've gone down a rabbit hole recently of like biblical theory, and there's theories huh? that like Moses was um, dealing with psilocybin and some <laughs> other drugs that may have actually for like had him see these images. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm that seem magical to us but when you're tripping balls you're like oh yeah that, that bush is on fire like, yeah. <laughs> that bush said something to me yeah. <laughs> it's on fire oh my god yeah it spoke to me yeah i think that's interesting too i would say like salem and i mean being on the coast in in scotland there would be i would say several similar climates i don't know how much truth there is to that as far as Maybe. like similar lineage of people i mean yeah, talking yeah about british people right exactly definitely, definitely i don't know yeah exactly definitely um uh so it wouldn't surprise me none of that would and the, and the moses stuff's very uh very interesting because there's a whole bunch of stuff about moses that's just like fascinating mm -hmm. and the a lot of people don't um, sort of realize because I think you kind of you, you kind of absorb stuff about Moses, but you, then you go on with the rest of the Bible. Right. But he, uh, you know, he he goes up Sinai to 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 basically speak to God and get these right. tablets. Yeah. So I don't know if you know this, but in the old folk tales, Jewish folk tales, the tablets were blue, blue and glass like. Mm. So they weren't rock. They were in the folk tales, mm -hmm. not in right. the text but in the folk tales there were blue glass interesting and sinai peninsula had a lot of glass smelting going on there okay. and if you look at egyptian glass at that time it's blue because they couldn't get the impurities out of it so right. it leads to the idea that he just went and made and <laughs> sorry um breaking what? bad came to my head because yeah they got the impurities <laughs> out of the mouth made out of the blue. mouth made it blue yeah. Sorry, <laughs> guys. You can you can eat the tablets too. They're smoke them. Smoke the tablets. It'd be great. No, I, uh, we can yeah. make a biblical joke out of that because what's the yeah. line? Like, say, say my name. Yeah, yeah. Right? Say my name. Right. Well, that, yeah, say that, my that, name. Yeah. But that basically happens when he speaks to the bush because he said uh, he said he asked the bush. It's the, he's, he demands the name of the bush, and the bush flips it around and demands his name. Yeah. Because yeah. back in the day, it used to be that they believed that if you had the name of. Uh, god you could control the god right you could control so, it yeah so moses was so high that day he was like what? what's in so what should I <laughs> and the bush is uh my name's my name moses yeah so, so right. saying it, control over that's him. amazing he just yeah. comes he comes down from the mountain like guys these tablets were here yeah. you know my hands are dirty from and you know from chiseling all day but like, exactly i just, I just yeah. think about the israelites back then who were like just so down with everything that was going on because yeah. it's like yeah i got these tablets dude a bush was on fire it talked to me like <laughs> and this is what it said dudes like let's do yeah. it let's go yeah, across let's, this river like, yeah let's go let's and everybody's go. just like yeah let's do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. and um 
it's even crazier because there's these long time periods. Like he 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 kills. Does he kill the guard and then flees for like forty years and then comes back and then leads the Israelites into the desert for forty other years? Yeah, yeah. it's like eighty years. It was long time periods. Yeah. yeah, and um, but yeah, I read about this stuff years and years ago, and uh, apparently somebody was saying to somebody in the desert, a Bedouin, you know, Moses would take the staff and he would hit the earth and the power of God, water would come up, and, and the Bedouin took a staff. And cracked the earth, and the water came up. He said, "This is this is what we do for water. We know where the water is. We just have to crack it a certain way." At certain <laughs> way. So it's like yeah, local like, knowledge. Yeah, it's like my, my grand does it to get it some water at night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's just well, squelch. Yeah. You know? Well, to be honest, in a desert scenario, like that's not far off, right? Like they yeah. they know to the crack into the the cactus, the cacti. Yeah, and uh, get water, and they know like where there's underground wells and everything right. like that. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah they, 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 this is a fascinating subject. But uh, I saw a really interesting thing about the the Bible, and it showed you a ring around the region. Like, it's everything that ever takes place in the Bible takes place within this ring, mm -hmm. and it's not even it's not much bigger than you know Israel itself. Wow, you know, so that's Amazing. the entirety of the of the biblical world. And I, I guess for me, I never realized the relation of Shakespeare to King James. As yeah, well. I, that that's news to me as, well, as yeah. well. Yeah, it's fascinating because um, to me, that's a very very big risk to take. To yeah, write, yeah, to write and insinuate that this guy is utterly evil and Scottish. Yeah, and while there's a Scottish king and he's your patron. Right. You know? Yeah, and he's yeah he's paying you. Yeah, do that. And, and so that was very, very interesting itself. But uh, um, I think not long after that, uh, theaters were banned or something in England. I think it, it went into a period of, um, I may mm. be wrong with this, but I think it went into a period of like really extreme sort of theocracy. Mm. And wouldn't allow anything like that. So I think there was a period when all the theaters shut. And yeah, I yeah. Cut you off, Mike. I think from American perspective too, what's interesting is that we're, we're shown Shakespearean plays in like high school and, and some in middle school. And usually we're myself included, like I'm not above this. We're all just like, what's this crazy kind of English thing that we're reading? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it well, wasn't until later in life when I kind of rediscovered some of it and was kind of like, Oh, this is the basis of all story. Yeah, like yeah. I know he didn't create story. I get that, but right, like right. he's the earliest English speaking that we know of that yeah. kind of created the basis that all stories come from. Yeah, and that's why it was so important. Yeah, and also the so much of the language that we use every day is actually Shakespeare's language, mm -hmm. words he invented that only he ever used, and they've they've just become second nature to us. And, and the, yeah. it gets shit on a lot. Yeah, but like I really recommend to people there's a, a version of romeo and juliet that dicaprio starred in mm -hmm. where they tried to do like a modern version but with the classic english yeah. and it's like very that. interesting how they trans like how they do it yeah, yeah. I like and to, paul rudd's I, in that movie by the way everybody paul rudd wow. yeah. <laughs> um i didn't really see he's in there but um i remember this other actor who's actually since passed away he's a brilliant actor english guy I remember he had a big like tattoo or something in his back and but it was a great that was a great film i love I liked, that movie i like that film but that's one thing i tried to do with the book which was um i tried to draw it in such a way that the text you didn't have to rely on the text that the pictures right. could understand what the text meant 
So in, in Shakespeare, you've got iambic pentameter. So I deliberately, I didn't pay attention to that at all, which probably would be appalling to Shakespearean scholars. But what I was, <laughs> what I was trying to do was like break the words down into sim simple, simple bite-sized bits per panel, and then, you know, focus the panel on those things that those bits referred to, so that the reader who might not know, you know, old Shakespearean language, understand it better. It is the images. It's amazing to me how expressive, because uh, for anybody wondering, you can go on Clover Press's website to see some preview pages, uh, how expressive you can make the faces with just black and white art. Yeah, there's, there you go. Oh, there we go. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Pulling it up right now. I was going to say, I was looking at these, and what I love about them is that after reading MK Ultra from you, mm -hmm. and I recently reread re it, and then seeing this, exact opposites like mk ultra is just such a colorful psychedelic thing and this is such a muted black yeah. and white book with so much emotion mm -hmm. and each page it's yeah, yeah lots of emotion yeah thanks for that i mean i, I, I try and do that every time with my books i try and that's another reason why i'm trying to push for a, a painted comic right now because mm -hmm. i want to move into another style i want to do everyone i would like to do every book that in a way that would look different it would look like a, a different style, you know. I mean, seeing seeing this, I would love to see you on a horror book. Uh, oh yeah, I would. Yeah. Love, I mean, and, and when you talk about your art and the paintings behind you, I mean, people go to YouTube and look at some of this stuff we're looking at right now. But uh, I would like I I can't see why you can't be on Hellblazer right now or something. Oh, you know, like even from I would love DC to do or something like that. But I because like you said, like Chris said, MK Ultra was amazing in itself and such mm -hmm. a completely different end of the spectrum of this um but you do you do show off the expression of the character so well with just with just black thank <laughs> and, you and it's, it's crazy because how you do that one of the reasons for that again was because i knew it was going to be self-publishing and i thought i'd be printing them on old xerox copiers that didn't maybe mm -hmm. write the right amount of toner in you know so they yeah right bad. so i thought i'd be doing that kind of running around doing that with like the kind of zine kind of thing yep. yeah yeah so I couldn't get too fine. It had to be really, really simple. Mm -hmm. And um, and so th there's a real cutout style. The other thing that affects the style is I had images. I was working from real people. Only some of the some of the characters are based on real people in MK Ultra, but most of them are you know I made them up. But, but these characters are mostly real actors. If you go to the back of the book, I've actually dedicated the last page to like the various actors in the play, and I've, mm. I've put the drawings up next to their their real names. So. King Macbeth, Lady Macbeth, and so on and so forth. Then since this is um, just as a site, just as a, a thing, since the book was drawn, um, both the actors that play King Macbeth and Lady Macbeth have got roles in um, Wheel of Time. You know, they pop up in oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Wheel of Time. They're both uh, prominent. Oh. Yeah, they're very good. And I did, I did, I, I will admit, Stuart, I, I did not know you were an actor. I never punched your name into IMDb, but I did see you pop up for Wheel of Time. So you yeah. had a, you had a spot in that as well, right? I popped up all right. I popped yeah. up well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can talk about it now. My head explodes. So. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I was gonna get into the show, so I'm gonna I'm gonna watch out for you now. That's amazing. 
it'll entertain anybody who ever hated me. But um, <laughs> how do you agree to that? Where you said, "Hey, you you want to be on the wheel of time? Your head just has to blow up." Nobody's That's pretty much what happened. I get called. <laughs> be- I get <laughs> I get called because I can ride a horse. So they couldn't find somebody who could ride a horse and say lines. So they get wow. stunned. They'd loads wow. of stunt men that could ride the horse, right? But yeah. they don't have anybody that can actually say a line on horseback. Wow. And and so so they called me and said, You want you want to do it, but your head explodes. I said, That's fine. And um <laughs> <laughs> and I said, that's fine. And then um uh so I had to do it on audition anyway. Yeah, they liked it and then um it it's only a, I'm only in it a bit, but it took like five days wow. because to go get costume and all that stuff right. worked out. And then um uh the nicest thing about it was that I'd been in covid quarantine for so long mm-hmm. you know and I get, i'm quite happy working inside and being on my own and all that but i uh, hadn't really been out in the country much or anything right. and the night we shot this scene i had to be, go out into the woods and ride a black horse in the cold air and it just felt That's so, so cool great. yeah it was fantastic so um but it but then after the shoot then i had to go to a special effects place and uh-huh. stand on a on a box and they had a, like, about 250 cameras around me oh for the cgi yeah yeah because then somebody was going to recreate my head and then blow. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then um and then on the night when we shot it on the night uh we shot the whole scene and then um uh, a stuntman gets on the horse and i think he had like a green hood or something so his head would be green oh yeah, yeah. Like anyway and then he he fell off the horse and uh but on the ground, there was just like big pile of brains. And I said to the first AD, I don't think my wife would have expected there'd be that much, that much brains <laughs> coming, out, coming out of my head. But, um, but that was great fun. And, uh, oh my yeah, God, that's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. what I found funny going into your IMDb now, since Mike had to bring it up, is first, yeah. uh, you did a voice in Kingdom Come Deliverance, which makes me want to play that game even more. Yeah, but but Mike, did you see what his character name was in Wheel of Time? Older man. <laughs> yeah, I it's love terrible. it. It's terrible because you uh, you get these things happening. You get you get you know. At some point, you realize you're older man role. You know. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's funny. And I've had I've had roles. I've had um, I had one student picture I did, and they and one of the student actors was saying, "I've got a thing coming up. I'd love you to play the part." And I'll send you the script if you'd be interested in doing it. And I said, sure, what, what's it about? And, and he wanted me to play a pedophile. And I went, no, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> no, I don't want to be. You know? Yeah, don't even cast as that. Thanks. No, no you're all right. I'm not interested in that. Yeah. So there's a lot of things I just wouldn't do, you know. And, yeah. Right. Uh, I'm quite happy yeah. with these wee roles because they're fun and you're in and out. And that's the other thing. Yeah. Like, I think, it, it, you know, anyone that thinks it's easy, it's not easy. It's a really, oh, no. these guys, they work their asses off every level. You know, yeah. costume people, makeup people, the hours they put in, the actors are the same. It's even in some ways really hard for the actors, I think, because they're on. They have to like pull energy out of themselves at the most tired point. In, oh yeah, in the day, you know they have to appear energetic. And sometimes it's like midnight and you're shooting, right? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. These are the worst ones. I did one uh, TV show where we ended up shooting right through till six in the morning. And oh uh, my god. I remember thinking, I've had it with this. I'm not doing this again. But yeah, you know. But uh, well, but the night shoots are really, really tough. They're bad. They're hard. Yeah. Yeah. I I think of my days in my job, my day job. Yes, everybody have a day job. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> um, 
that I may be not feeling it or I may be depressed or whatever. And I can kind of phone it in, you know, yeah. phone yeah. it in a day, whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. These I, guys phone in, it ruins the whole project. Yeah. Right, like, right, right. <laughs> right. Ruins the whole yeah. movie. But yeah. I mean, I have to qualify that you know that it sounds like a privilege, and it is a privilege. But they pursue they pursue this as a as a as, a, as an art form, right, and and, and so forth. And uh, but uh, um, you know, right. I can't I can't knock. It. I mean, I, on of the of the, I think I had two days on set, and one of them for Wheel of Time, I turned up, got in a costume was sent back to my trailer and I was sort of sitting there just like reading. And then they came to me and said, no, you can get changed again. We're not going to make it tonight. You can, you'll go home. We'll bring you back tomorrow. So wow. I got paid for that, you know, so I mean, can't yeah. complain. Yeah. But, right. Right. You know, so that, that's fine. And most of it's fine and fun and interesting work and, and all that. But, uh, but yeah, so I, you know, I, and I can, I can say that bring it, we'll bring it all back to Macbeth is where you're, I think it's really interesting that you've combined with what you do, what you have going on on stage mm. to what you have going on in publication into a project here, right? It's, it's your not interpretation, but what you've seen on stage yeah. and who you, who you know and worked with and also yeah. your art style combining on one project. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a weird and uh, wonderful kind of folding in of different, um, uh, different, different, different projects, different interests, and, mm-hmm. and friends popping up. You know, I've got friends in the book. I can see. Were they you know, were they pissed on how you how you drew them? Were like, come on. They were, they were very accepting. They were very yeah, good. nice. Uh, nice. I don't know why, because the other thing was, <laughs> I, I gave myself only a few minutes. Like every page, I would. In fact, every panel, I gave myself a five minute window mm-hmm. as I worked on the next panel to decide if that previous panel needed work. But if I changed my mind after five minutes, it's too late. I wouldn't touch it. So wow. there's loads of yeah. So there's loads of things that I would change normally. Yeah. But I wouldn't touch it. And so there's loads of people that didn't get a very good. Like I did drawings of them that are terrible. You know, they don't <laughs> anything. <laughs> you know, the the drawings okay, but it's not yeah. a good likeness. You know, it's, right, it's right. Likeness. Nothing. The, the what they are, look like. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they were very, very cool about it, and uh, they like it. And uh, there's no, no complaints. And um, now, there's something else I have to say about that when you mentioned the, the thing of, oh yeah, uh, I worked on um, uh, Nightfall mm. when I was doing a, a story for 2008 called Defoe, which yep. was written by Pat Mills, and uh, and it's a horror story set in set in uh, London just after the Great the Great Fire, and um, and there was this whole thing with alchemy and uh, oh, okay. gunpowder and gunpowder kegs and stuff. And then at that time, as I was working on that, I got hired to play an alchemist in this thing, Nightfall. So I went yeah. up set there, and I was actually taking pictures of the battles and stuff because it was like these gunpowder battles are just exactly what I'm looking for for, for your art. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up drawing the battles out. That's awesome. I, I was going to say real quick because I know um, you've been really generous with your time, and we should probably wrap it up soon. But. Uh, just as a, a nerd for the process, the fact that you like set these limits for yourself and it was like five minutes. And that's yeah. It. And you that makes it them. so much cooler to me that like oh, good. you were able to create this like good looking book and it's obviously good enough to be published and everything, but you were, you were setting these arbitrary limits for yourself. Be like, can I do this within this time? I love when creators oh, do that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's, that's cool. great. Yeah. yeah. I think these limitations are, the, are they can get fantastic results. Yeah. You know? Uh, you find it most in painting. If you, 
if you give me colors to paint with, I'm ten, I'll tend to use a lot of color. I love color. Um, but if, if you work with a limited palette, you produce images that are far more mature. So a way to control that is just to limit your palette and you end up with more mature looking color choices and stuff. So yeah, limitations are, they're like the, they're the most important thing sometimes, but limited budget when you're making a film or if you're making a project and you've not got much money, finding your way to making it work is, is vital, you know, on a tight budget. So yeah. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Limitation breeds in, uh, yeah, it breeds innovation. Innovation, innovation thank you. Yeah, yeah. One of the best examples in film was uh, Steven Spielberg when he couldn't get the shark to work. Right. Oh, couldn't get the shark. The shark broke down, and they were. It was going to cost them a lot of money to like wait for the shark. Yeah. And then uh, I think Steven Spielberg had the innovation that wait a minute, seeing the shark isn't going to be as frightening as seeing yellow barrels being pulled by something. Right. So he discovered that whole yellow barrel thing, which becomes this very memorable scene in Jaws. Yeah. Only because he couldn't get the machine to work, the, the, the actual fish. That's awesome. See, see I was going to play into Mike and say Evil Dead, <laughs> but you went with Jaws, so. Yeah, Evil Dead. Yeah. <laughs> evil Dead's another one, too. Yep. Yep. Oh, really? But, An Evil Dead? I, I, it's been yeah. too long since I've seen Evil Dead. Yeah. yeah, I mean, super low budget, shot in yeah. one place, like oh, yeah. shot in like yeah. a, a that's a movie bred for innovation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just the, the, you've got Alex Ross behind you. That's actually an Alex Ross Batman. Yeah, yep. yeah, the '60s Batman. Yeah, that's a, cool. I've always had it. I'm a huge '60s Batman fan. So. I'm a big Batman '66 fan. I was, yeah. I love that. I still do. I, I watch mean, it every night, pretty much. Really? <laughs> yeah, that's it's like flipped, comfort show. Blowed yeah. up by it, you know. I just think it's the, it's yeah. just the best. Yep. It's for anyone new to the show, that's the birth of the show. <laughs> is Mike and I talking Batman 66, the comic shop, back mm-hmm. when he was going in college near where I live? Yep. Yeah. 60s Batman is, it's always, I don't know, it's always been something for me that it's like, yeah. and it still holds up. Like, uh-huh. I, might, I might be a little biased here, but I think, <laughs> I think the jokes hit now. I think that humor is more appreciated nowadays than it was. I mean, it was serious back, back in the day. That was like the serious Batman, but. Yeah, you know. well, you know, when I was a kid, it was already, um, when I was watching it in America as a little boy, it was only maybe six or seven years old. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd be watching it, I swear to God, I'd be watching it, and I'd be getting into it, and then something would happen, and and my dad would laugh. Yeah. And I, would, I wouldn't get it. I didn't know why he was, or my he brother, laughed. he was like, why would he laugh at that? What was so yeah. funny? This is serious. And it, I didn't know about the double entendres. The yeah, people, right, all right. The dirty jokes, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's so many dirty jokes. Well, yeah, yeah so listening many. to Adam West talk about the show, like he he fully. I mean, years and years, decades later, yeah, it's just like yeah, we were creating a comedy. Like that, it was a yeah. comedy the whole time, right? Well, yeah. So it's. And you know, they turned up at the uh, the play by the play Playboy Mansion in costume. I think it was yeah. the. You know, they, they turned yeah. up various things in costume and got up to all sorts of activity that you know that's amazing Dude, yeah. adam west was a treasure that was not respected <laughs> enough in his life yeah until yeah, near the end yeah, yeah for sure i still think tim burton should have cast him in his first batman I really oh did. my god i would have loved yeah it. just as a cameo like just no no i mean no I mean, as batman as yeah, batman I would have oh that would have been great the dark would, yeah. returns via the lens of, Nick, of batman oh 16. yeah Oh my I, can god! You imagine him I can't, yeah, I can't imagine it. I mean, when they cat, we'll think about it. When they cast Michael Keaton at the time, it was yeah. Mr. Bob, right? So, yeah. Like, 
yeah. well, so now you have my wheel spinning as a Batman Beyond fan. Uh-huh. Now, nowadays, we talk about Michael Keaton being Bruce Wayne and Batman Beyond. Right. But like 20 years ago, we could have had Adam West as Bruce Wayne and Batman Bruce, Beyond. Yeah. Can you imagine? It would have been incredible. And wow. uh, it would have been amazing. And um, and I see that thinking the world of Michael Keaton. I think he's one of the finest actors. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you guys ever saw his film Johnny Dangerously, but I, that was a treasure mm-hmm. of mine when I was mm-hmm. a teenager. I thought that was yeah, a fun old school one. Yeah, classic. Yeah. And yeah. he's he's just brilliant. He's making another Beetlejuice now. He's, yeah, he's, I know he's doing it all. That's good for him. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. An yeah. underrated movie he did recently was The Founder. Oh, is this the McDonald's film? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. it's phenomenal. Yeah, it is. It's tremendous. So good. Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's an amazing actor. Um, brilliant. Uh, have you seen his? He does. Um, there's another guy, uh, Kevin Nielsen, comedian. Is it Kevin Nielsen? He does a he does a podcast where he walks up in the Hollywood Hills. There, he walks up somewhere above. Oh, really? Yeah, and he goes with his pals, you know, comedians and actors and various things. And there's one he does with Michael oh. Keaton. It's a really good one. He's walking along with Michael Keaton. They're just shooting the shit as he walks. Oh, really? That's cool. The hills. Yeah. You know, you know Kevin Nielsen, Mike. He was in yeah. Weeds and oh, Happy okay. Gilmore, and yep, yeah, okay, yeah. probably, yeah, I know yeah. him. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, Stuart, I we could talk to you all night, man. I, <laughs> I love having you on the show. We got to have you on sooner than it's been a few years. We got to get you back. Got to get you back sooner than that. Well, we've um, got the complete edition coming out in a month or two. So okay, great. That. That's and, the one with the three D glasses. So oh, nice. Three D art. Yeah, I've done a 3D cover. It's got six levels of 3D. And then, oh my god! And then Clover wrote to me and said, "Do you want to design the, the actual glasses?" And I was like, "Is that an option?" Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's they awesome. Sent, they sent me the template, and then so I drew all the like the freakiest characters and a couple of the agents and stuff on the actual front of the glasses. Oh so man! When you're wearing the glasses, they're looking out with you. That's and then amazing. We turn, yeah, when you turn to the side, it's cinema seats, and they're all sitting in the cinema looking that oh, way. Oh, wow. Oh, they're all in the cinema looking that way. And they're all like you. They're all wearing the 3D glasses. All the That's agents so 3D cool. glasses. There's tentacled aliens with like 3D glasses. Oh, all my God. Stuff. So it's a unique sort of uh, thing that they're producing. That's, with amazing. The That's amazing. I'm really chuffed about that. So yeah. Dude, I'm looking at this cover right now, and it's just phenomenal. Yeah. yeah get, if you have if you have 3D glasses, like the, the red, blue, and yep. Yeah, I have a few. Well, put them on because it works through the computer. It works on. Oh really? Yeah, you can get the 3D effect. There's six levels. She comes out. The dancer comes out, and then you get different. Each of the panels breaks down, and you can go into the into the distance. So that's amazing. Yeah, it was really fun to do and hard to do because you kind of you gotta keep putting the glasses on and then cutting and then like take them off you know like trying to arrange the 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 the, the different um because like you'll have a black and white image and then mm-hmm. you reproduce it in cyan and you represent reproduce it again in magenta and then you can manipulate it and you have to actually play with it to get the sense of depth and so it, it takes a long time and uh and so i was really pleased i did that one on the cover and then there's an aliens one inside where they're all the aliens having cocktails and eating pizza yeah, and then, and then there's one. There's another one. I don't know if uh, Clover used it though, because I gave them an option. So just to surprise me, I gave them an optional PDF that had a, a sort of central 3D page. But I don't know if they used it, and it may have been too late when I submitted that because they they had the original PDF at that point. And it wasn't 3D in the middle at that point. But anyway, there's a bunch of 3D stuff inside too. 
So yeah, that's awesome. I'm looking at the cover now. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's available on Clover Press's website as well. Yeah. And, and for $10 off, you can get it for 50 bucks right now. So yeah. and head to head to the Clover Press website and, uh, Stuart, I, I know we're going to send everybody to the website for, for the books, but if people want to follow you mm-hmm. and all the fantastic stuff you're doing, I know you talked maybe about opening a shop for yourself or something, but where yeah. can we send everybody? Well, right now, Buddha Von Budstein on Instagram. Okay. Uh, and I'm also Opipop, O-P-I-P-O-P on Twitter. Yep. And I've, I've, I've sort of built a new website, but I haven't loaded it yet, so it's not really online yet. I don't okay. really know what to be called. But it'll be listed on these things. So the Instagram one is Buddha von Budstein. And then you can find me through Clover. And you can find me through Twitter with uh, OPIPOP. Great. There's other things, yeah. but I, I don't remember how to do the TikTok. <laughs> I've been messing about with the TikTok. But... Yeah, I don't get it either. <laughs> it's too much. So, too much. So make sure you go follow Stuart on social media so you can uh, look forward to possible website with possibly yeah. cool things <laughs> for sale in the near future maybe but also as always i'll have links in the show notes down below so you can get Macbeth straight from cloverfield or from clover, clover press clover press cloverfield i wanted a giant monster we were talking about godzilla earlier yeah, yeah giant yeah. monsters yeah yeah um so you can get them from clover press and uh i also have the preview page for project mk ultra Stuart. Thanks so much for taking the time, man. It's been a blast. Yeah, thank you and so like much. Mike said, we got to do it again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always a blast. It's always fun. So, yeah. So, all the best to you. And we're back. We're back. I so, yeah. And somehow he got a, got a corkscrew appearing in his hand. Uh, Macbeth by Stuart Moore. Check it out. Um, Sounds very interesting and, you know, great guy. Love having him on the show. So give him all your love. Yeah. Uh, dude makes good comics. He's a good dude. Check out his work. Uh, comic news. Speaking of comics. Comics. Here we go. Uh, never, nobody asked for it, but we're getting it anyways. Marvel's bringing back a 90s character for a new miniseries, Night Thrasher. <laughs> is returning from writer Jay Holtham and artist Nelson Daniel this February. This will be his first solo series in over 30 years. You sound excited, Mike. I have no idea. He looks like he looks like uh, oh man, who's that? Midnighter. (laughs) Um, I have no idea who Night Thrasher is. It looks very 90s, this cover for sure. Uh, it looks like he just beats on people with his batons. I don't even think those are swords, right? Those are batons. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I have very, very little knowledge of Night Thrasher, but I'm pretty sure you got it right because it's a 90s character, so there's probably yeah. not much to it. Yeah, there's probably um, no depth to this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can say uh, without hesitation, like, don't really care. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't get this at all. Uh, very strange for Marvel to just jump in with this. Maybe it's going to be the best it's, series of the year. I don't know. I, they must be finding success. I mean, I think the the nineties are far enough away that, and there's people like uh, like Donny Cates who grew up on nineties comics, and now that's nostalgic enough where they can go back because yeah, even like some of these miniseries they're doing that are like past miniseries 
like returning to them are 90s books like the new fantastic four they brought back right um one that i'm actually excited for the daredevil black armor they're bringing back mm-hmm. um you know so this i don't know look at like look at that knee pad yeah the venom book is is uh, based on the 90s continent so like yeah it must be doing good or else they wouldn't be doing it right right he almost looks like judge dread that's what he looks like yeah yeah i don't know marvel you want to bring back a 90s character fool killer yeah fool Duel. killer Fool killer is interesting. Night Thrasher, not so much. We are in a world where somebody needs to kill some fools. Yeah, fools need to die. <laughs> uh, this guy's going to thrash the night. So, um, Marvel announced another What If title coming this February. The new series will be five issues titled What If Venom. It'll be written by Jeremy Holt, artist Jesus Harris. Uh, Irvas will show different Marvel characters being the first people to meet the Venom symbiote. The series will feature characters like She-Hulk, Wolverine, Doctor Strange, Loki, and Moon Knight. That is a really cool cover. Um, very cool cover. I love that cover. Yeah, so we have like a a shattered puzzle piece of each of those mentioned characters and like a Venom version. Like, yeah, that 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 sounds sick. And that Loki Venom looks amazing. Yeah, uh, always a big fan of What If books. We'll always pick up a what if book. Um, kind of wish we would get away from what if Venom. I feel like we've done it a lot recently. But fuck it. If, if this is what they're going to give me for what if. And one of them is Moon Knight. So of course I'm in for that. I'll, I'll, I'll check this out. Even if I'm a little hesitant that I'm kind of like, okay, we've we've done Venom kind of to death a little bit. I yeah, think for we sure. can move forward, but... Hell, let's do it. What if? What if? This is pretty exciting. Marvel announced uh, another return to the publisher, but once again, for reprints only, uh, they will be publishing an omnibus of the original Marvel Godzilla comics. Um, yeah, that's a pretty that's a pretty awful cover, but the next couple <laughs> are they like the original ones. That red one is infamous uh, for the first appearance. This first cover is terrible. Yeah, I, I apologize yeah. to the artist, but that that does not even look like Godzilla. No, but to be fair, neither does this. Yeah, but that's like <laughs> the cla- that that now that's the classic one. Uh, there's a lot there's a lot to unpack in that cover too because he's like he caught a plane, he grabbed a bridge, and like there just happens to be like two planes flying by him at the same time. There's just so much happening. Yeah, I when I, I will not be picking this up. Uh it's next year. I mean, I try to keep my omnibus spending very low. Yeah. And this year it was very high with Invincible. I know they call them compendiums, they're omnibuses. I don't care what people say. Uh and then next year we jump into ROM. Right. So I just can't justify adding another one to my list, but it's really cool that they're doing this. But when I do do it, I try to get a cover. Like I would buy this cover or the next one I'm going to show in a minute because I like the classic cover on the on the bus. Yeah. So like the, the planet of the apes one I have is the classic adventures in the planet of the apes cover. So they've changed this cover. Um, cause I was like, that doesn't look like that one. That one's really cool. This one I like more. 
just because yeah. there's another monster involved. And... I'd probably get that one. The original number one cover, the red one, is supposed to say Godzilla King of King of the Monsters, or it says the original Marvel years. So I wonder if they can't call him King of the Monsters for some reason. I think that's the original Marvel years is a banner that Marvel's used. Okay. So I'm so when you when you open this book, I'm I will almost guarantee it. If you buy it when you open the book and you get to the cover, like the issue covers, it'll be yeah. Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah. Cause the Planet of the Apes one that I have is Planet of the Apes, the original Marvel years. And I believe the Star Wars one that they did was Star Wars the original Marvel years too. Okay. That's just kind of the banner they use to to and same with Conan. Yeah. Um that these just signify what it is. Especially with so much Godzilla comics out there. I mean, IDW has been pumping them out. So, yeah, th- that's probably the only reason. Because mm-hmm. is the the lettering the same for Godzilla? Yeah, that's all the same. Yeah. yeah. I do miss the little thing in the top left corner, though. Um, well, like the numbering and stuff. Like the little stamp you always get in the top left. Yeah. But October, what is it? Oh, yeah, it's not coming out until October 2024. Damn. So quite a while away. Yeah. Does this intrigue you enough that you might buy it? Oh, yeah, for sure. These, I mean, because, like, these issues aren't easy to find because, like, nobody bought these issues back in the day. Um, I've always wanted the number one, but haven't spent the money on it. So, like, I'll probably get the omnibus just so I, I can read them all. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. If it's not a ridiculous amount of money. It's probably, I mean, I think it's 24 issues, so it's a big, big book. Yeah, it is a big book. Um, my money's on 100 bucks, 120 max. Yeah. That's why I say I keep my omnibus spending to a minimum. Yeah. <laughs> True. Let's see. I know I had the press release from Marvel when I was doing the show notes. It's so funny to me, too, that Toho is like celebrating the 69th anniversary. <laughs> it's so goddamn funny. They know it's funny too. That's why they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, it great. doesn't say in the the press release. It just yeah it says on sale October next year. Hmm. What's funny here though, as I was reading it though, um, Doug Monch, uh-huh. the writer, same guy that did the Planet of the Apes books. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Does not say. I would plan on somewhere between one hundred and one twenty five. Yeah. If you're thinking of buying this out there. Which I am. Uh, Dark Horse announced a new series from writer Tom King and artist Bill Quist Eppley. The team behind Supergirl won tomorrow. The series will be Gothic Sword and Sorcery Comic that is said to combine Conan and the Wizard of Oz. It will be titled Helen of Windhorn and is set to release February of 2024. Uh, looks interesting. Don't know how I feel about Conan and the Wizard of Oz. You could just say it's a fantasy book. Uh, you gotta do it, Mike. Yeah, they, they always have to try to pull that shit. I'll, I'll probably check the first issue out. I like the art. I think it's interesting. I'll check it out. I'm a fantasy nerd, so yeah, why not? I Yeah, I I like Conan. Wizard of Oz is okay. Yeah. Um, I like Conan, though. I just... I'm, I'm, I'm always... There's all my guards always on when it comes to Tom King because like 
Yeah, it's like well, everything sounds interesting, and then I just don't like it. Yeah, then you got to read six issues to get something going. Nah, he he's at the point with me. One issue. If you can't get me in that first issue, yeah, I'm done. Especially for this, I've never seen him write fantasy, so we'll see how he how he does with this first issue here. It'll be interesting because I can't name another Tom King independent book that I've read. I know he did that Love Everlasting, but like never I'm read sorry, it. Sorry, people, I'm not getting yeah. into a romance comic. The Supergirl book was good, but yeah, I mean that's what people say. If I'm going to go into another DC Tom King book at this point, it's Human Target. Yeah, that one's good. So let's let's just see how I feel about that before we're recommending some Supergirl yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how you like Human Target, which I think you will like. Yeah, but yeah, this uh, I'll, I'll check it out. It it sounds interesting. I I do like the artist. Yeah, like this cover is really cool, and I think this artwork fits a fantasy vibe much better than a superhero thing. Mm-hmm. So, cool um. Stuff. Vault's new series, Deathstalker, is fully funded on a Kickstarter and the campaign is over. But for those who don't know, it's Vault's new fantasy series that was written by Guns N' Roses guitarist Slash. Uh, it was announced as part of the campaign they're doing a one-shot add-on written by Michael Moreschi, Tim Seeley, and Nathan Gooden called Barbaric vs. Deathstalker. Uh, there was no official word if the one-shot would come to local comic shops, but it seems obvious that we'll get it sometimes next, sometime next year. Um, interesting that we don't have a book out for this Deathstalker. And, uh, but we're getting a crossover with Barbaric. Yeah, I mean, I know we didn't talk about it because I, I usually don't like to promote corporate Kickstarters. Yeah. But yeah, Vault's doing this Kickstarter for it. It, dude, it did like 50K. So, yeah, it, it blew up. Uh, I'm sure that this Death Stalker book will be out next year. I think it's just an OGN, so I don't know if it's going to come out in issues or not. I don't know. Like, I, I like Slash enough as a guitarist. I just, I don't know if I want to read the comic that he created, but I almost did this Kickstarter just because I wanted this one shot. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you, especially if Moresi's involved, like, give me all the bar- barbaric you can send. So I think it'd be stupid for them not to do it in the direct market. So I, I can't imagine we don't see it next year in the direct. So market. there's a movie called death stalker, an old sword and sorcery movie. I wonder, it has to be the same thing, right? Like, I didn't look that far. I just, I thought the, I thought the premise for death stalker was kind of, eh. yeah, it looks like the same dude. It's like a sword and sorcery. Oh my god, there's four movies. Deathstalker and the Warriors from Hell. Deathstalker 2, Deathstalker 3, March of the Titans. All of them are just like this dude on the cover with a bunch of like warrior women in bikinis. Well, let's see what the ultimate source uh, Wikipedia has to say. Oh, that's a... Sorry, I just clicked on one for a scorpion. That's called the oh. Death Stalker. Never mind. Yeah, these movies, <laughs> these movies look real bad. They're like From really the cheesy. 80s. See, I think they're separate because when you go to the Kickstarter page, it it even is titled Slash Presents Death Stalker. That's weird. Reserve your edition of this epic sword and sorcery 
Oh, maybe it is set yeah. in the cult classic universe of Deathstalker. So yeah, because yeah, actually I'm looking at the so the title is the same exact font and lettering as the yeah. So it is the same character. Interesting. I didn't even know these movies existed. <laughs> and there's yeah. like four of them. And there's a picture of the movie right there. Yeah, yeah, I just straight from number one. When it comes to corporate Kickstarters, I tend to stay away from them. Wait for direct market stuff. Yeah. And I don't know. Slash wasn't enough for me to jump in. <laughs> I feel like I have to watch one of these movies. The first one's only an hour and 20 minutes long. It's probably so bad. <laughs> That's probably really bad. <laughs> we should just do a review podcast on Dust Stalker. Yeah, this is, I can't believe this is the first time I've heard of this 80s movie. Like, what? Huh. Interesting. But, I mean, I love me some Barbaric, so I wish I could see, I could read this one shot. But Yeah, at this point with Barbaric, like, if Moresti's writing, you can be Barbaric versus My Little Pony, and I'm fucking Yeah, there. I'm going to buy it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we got to get Moresti on the show. I'd love to talk to that guy, man. Didn't we have him on once? No, I don't think so. Maybe? I thought oh, we did, we'll but, check. but I would, yeah, I would love to chat with him again because he he's written some stuff I really like. He did that uh, wasted space book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Morrissey. Yeah, what else did he do? I done some Stranger Things stuff. <laughs> he wrote Archie meets Batman sixty six. Yeah, um, that's what I want to talk to him about. We get him on the show. Hey, we want to talk to you about a book. Yeah, you want to talk about Berg? No. I'm going to talk about 60s let's Batman. Let's talk some Archie. Talk Archie and 60s Batman. Yeah, Wasted Space he did. He yeah, did some Star enough. Wars stuff. Good for him. He's yeah. got a he's got a brand with Barbaric, dude. That's just like... That thing is... That's probably one of the... I think that's one of the best comic... Original comics to come out over the last couple of years. For sure. Barbaric is... Hand, yeah, it's been like a a very meteoric rise with that book because it just came out of nowhere. Right. And I thought it looked interesting. So I was like, Oh, a barbarian book. I'll check it out. And I couldn't believe how much I loved it. Yeah. Maybe we haven't. I can't find. I don't think we ever, I feel like I remember talking to him. I thought we did when waste space came out. Cause I, I remember really enjoying that book. Hmm. Oh yeah. And he wrote mighty barbarians that I really liked. Oh yeah. So. Well, yeah. Maybe I'll get him on. Well, I have my marching orders from the boss, Mike. There you go. That's it. <laughs> get him on. Um, all right. With that, folks, let's talk about what we read this week, Chris. Uh, I read, I caught up on Masquerade because that finished up. Oh, yeah. Uh, weird ending to like end things, but not end things. Uh, yeah. Where they're like, Masquerade died. Just kidding. Uh, might end up being a. <laughs> To fight more crime. Just uh, kidding. We sold too many comics, so we need to make yeah. Masquerade too. What? No, I, I, I like the series. I thought it was cool. You know, it's a Kevin Smith book for sure. Um, it was, uh, yeah. I couldn't remember if I talked about it at the time, but because I finished it a while ago and it's a good book, but mm-hmm. I don't know. If he comes back with Masquerade 2, I don't know if I'm going to. I don't need another. I don't need another series. Well, yeah. Like, I wasn't that interested. I thought know. it was. That was a little bit long. Like they could have cut cut it down a couple issues. It wasn't. It was eight issues, right? Yeah, it could have been like four to six for sure. It could have been six very easily, and been much better mm-hmm. for it. But mm-hmm. yeah, the premise is interesting, and 
But I just don't know how you do that twice. No, yeah, I don't like, I don't know either. She's very much a one trick pony. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Army of Darkness Forever number two. This is Tony Fleeks and Greenwood of the Art. So, dude, this is probably one of my favorite Army of Darkness books. Uh there's a lot of cool so there's like three timelines happening in the story. There's the timeline that ha- is happening in the Middle Ages after he leaves. Um there's the current time where he's working at uh, S Smart Shop S Smart Shop Smart Shop Smart S Smart S Smart, and then there's a third one where he w- went to sleep in the cave in the Middle Ages, and then he wakes up way too far into the future, in like you know the far future where he's like fighting a robot. Um, so yeah, he like wakes wakes up and fights like a robot thing. Um, but the so like he's so there's all these things. There's parts of the stories happening at the same time. And uh, the the S smart one is like he's he has to clean up in a bathroom like because someone like shit all over the bathroom in the store. And this like old guy comes in and says he has to like take a dump and it ends up being like a dead eye. So like the issue ends with like, oh, God, what are you doing? And it's like a dead eye. I think like shitting everywhere all over the bathroom or something or at least getting blood everywhere. Uh it's it's a lot of fun. I I think it's really cool. It picks up right after the movie Army of Darkness, so you nobody will be confused if you if you read it. Um, it's just a it's just a good time. So really really enjoying it. Uh, Radiant Black twenty six and then twenty six point five. I read because they're pretty much the same issue. Um, I would say the first half of twenty six point five and twenty six are almost like word for word the same book. Uh, because we know that like both those issues are Radiant Black taking up the mantle of Marshall or Nathan taking it over. Mm-hmm. Um, did you read 26.5 or no? No. Okay, so what I'll say is this. The first halves of the book are the same, which is very annoying to me. Um, but they, they have like a first initial test with this Radiant War that he has to fight this alien and how does he handle the how does he handle fighting it? So like uh so the first test is with nathan and what he does is he cares more about the people like that are trapped in the freeway he teleports them away he beats the aliens not as efficiently or easily as you would think the next issue is like the guy defeats the aliens like instantly because he's really good at fighting and like manipulating his environment but then you see like where all the people are waiting on the freeway is just a wasteland so he didn't care about the casualties at all so like there's and I could see where, like, they're like, okay, you guys vote for it now because, like, part of me is like, damn, Marshall is Radiant Black is really cool because he does a lot of cool science shit with his powers, mm-hmm. like manipulates the environment. I'm like, that was a way, that was a way cooler way to handle the aliens. But the first one was like, oh man, that like he isn't as efficient as fighting the aliens off, but he saved the entire city, which is like that's the superhero you want, and he still beat the aliens. So like. You can see two sides of it. It's just like the first half, the first like few pages is like the same exact dialogue. And like, that's kind of annoying, but um, it is an interesting take. You probably could have kept both stories in one issue is what I'm saying. It just seems like a cash grab just, to just on a double issue. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, like not even 48 pages. Cause like, it is like a handful of the pages are the same. So like you could have spoke to it and then been like, okay, if this is your path or this is your path and then like read both. So, like, it didn't need to be two separate issues in my eyes. But still, it's an interesting approach. Um, 
I still like the series a lot, and I I think I would be okay with either of them taking the mantle. Um, but I would say we really haven't seen it. I think the problem is we haven't seen a divide so much up until now to be like, like to up until now, I honestly hadn't cared who, who takes the mantle. You know what I mean? Like to me, it's like, whatever Nathan had his chance. He was in a coma. Marshall takes over that kind of thing. Um, but there, there wasn't really a whole divide for me between the two characters. I did. I mean, I haven't read it yet, so take that for what it is. But like, yeah. I was like kind of rooting for Nathan because I liked the premise of like this guy who tried to be a writer, yeah, and basically failed, is in all this debt trying to figure shit out, and then yeah. this happens. And they started to like get back into that in some of the more recent issues. Yep, when I was catching up and. I was like, yeah, like that's what originally got me in this book is like, Mm -hmm. there's this thing that there's this story arc that like no one else is doing about this guy who's kind of like, you know, in up to his ears in debt and trying to figure shit out. And then, so that's why I was rooting for him where the other guy just felt like, I don't know, kind of like most other superhero, especially independent Mm -hmm. superhero books. But yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Well, other than that, yeah, they were basically the same in terms of the Radiant Black themselves. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I I read Guardians of the Galaxy 7 and 8. I'm, I'm all caught up there because uh, 8 just came out right this week. Yeah, it's on my pile. Yeah, so like Groot has absorbed everybody and the Guardians are working on bringing everybody back because like this is a natural process that Groot is like going through as a plant life. It's all very... It's all very... Uh, swamp thing-esque which isn't bad like you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's it's more of he's like in touch with the green which is cool um spartax green yeah space green which is even cooler uh spartax doesn't want them to be left alone and wants to intervene so um this uh this like princess or queen shows up uh the the group guardians have this fight that's with a race that was actually created to pollinate and like wait for Groot. So like that was an interesting interaction and fight with them. Like they're fighting them. They're like, Oh wait, these guys aren't the enemy. We're supposed to like, we're supposed to like help them come along. Um, but then obviously at the end Spartax shows up and is like, okay, you guys should not be left alone to do whatever you want. We need to destroy Groot. So interesting stuff. Hmm. And then uh, I, I start, I I'm almost done with the Joker manga. That's really good. It's really funny. Um, of Joker the first Ra- volume, yeah, Joker raising ba- baby Batman. Um, so that was great. And then uh, I I'm caught up on the new Creep Show series, so Creep Shows uh, issues two and three. So we had we had a, a couple. Every Creep Show issue is a different two writers and artists. So the first uh, issue two is Michael Walsh, Dan Waters, and Abigail Larson on the art. Second issue or the third issue is Zoe Thorgood, Joel Fairley, and Goran uh, Sadzuka. Shout out to Zoe Thorgood because up until like a year ago, she was doing an independent book from the UK. Um, and I, I think it's called like the girl at the center of the world or center of the something. It's like a very, it's like a coming of age book or like a slice of life book that she's got a lot of praise for. She's super talented, very uh, new in the industry. So when I saw her name on this book from uh, published by image or dark horse, I was like, Oh damn, good for her. Um, and her story was really cool her story so like 
I don't need to talk about all the creep show. It's an it's like a horror anthology, but her story specifically was like this woman who what like developed this serum to live forever. And she basically lives until the end of the universe and becomes like stardust. And she's like, okay, maybe I can finally die now that like the world is dying. Cause all she wants to do is die and she can't. And like, she's like become stardust, but she's still, she's like, Oh, at least now, like I'll be able to like move on and she can't still, which is like terrifying. <laughs> so she's just like one with the universe. And it's like, she's still like, you know, all knowing and shit. And she's like, I, like she's, you know, lovers die, uh, relatives kids die because she's like she doesn't age um but yeah yeah it's really interesting stories um some really creepy stuff but i i love the creep show series so and i actually uh went out of my way to buy the physical issues because i'm a sucker for that that old school horror style book where it's like the big red title you know and like the zombie on the front where it's like creep show you know how they uh like old school tales like uh tales of horror used to look so yeah um i love that shit so I, I i bought some individual issues too dude i think what would be interesting like that sounds like a cool story what yeah would be interesting is the the sequel to that where like yeah. you're at the end of the universe and then uh -huh. it all just resets yeah everything and comes she's back. the catalyst to like start yeah. the new universe so yep. she is now god yeah well that's that's kind of how the story goes like people realize that she's the only one left in the world that's been there and like they almost start worshiping her as their God. And then everybody dies from like a plague. And she's like, well, fuck. <laughs> so what do yeah, I, do? I, I think it'd be interesting yeah. to do the story of like, after all that, and she resets, creates the universe. And she is like the biblical God. Yeah. Where, but she's like, well, I have all this knowledge. I like, I lived through right. the end of the universe. Like, right. How do I do humanity better? And all yep. that. Yeah. No, was, Somebody can steal that, please do. Yeah, because I'll read the fuck out of it. And I love the creep show <laughs> things because, like, the dude at the front of it's like the tales of the crypt guy. He's like, "Oh, this is why you don't do this," you know? And, yeah, um, dude, classic. Yeah, love that shit. So that's what I read. I still have big game on my list. Chris have not gotten to it yet. Son of a bitch. But I will. <laughs> Last issue comes out next week, Mike. All right, I'll try to catch up this week. Very sad that you didn't read Batman One Thirty Nine. I know that one's on my list too. Yes. I have it right here. So we're out of the Gotham War stuff and back into a solo Batman thing. So I'm back to reading Batman. Oh, we're out, we're out of Gotham War? We're out okay. of it. It's done. Honest, that's yeah. why I didn't read the issue yet because I thought it was just going to be a, a Gotham War thing. All right. So I think you're really going to like this issue. Okay. We, we get Batman in the first part of it playing detective. Nice. Him going to a crime scene and dissecting everything that's going on and everything, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we kind of we find out that Joker is the big bad, like he's the one behind everything. Which immediately I was like groaning about. I knew it was yeah. coming, but like I yeah. groaned. And then we get to the end, and he sold me on a new Joker story. Okay. Uh let's just say. Everything he was doing prior to uh, Night Terrors mm -hmm. comes into play here. So Zernar's back oh. and all this stuff. And Joker just drags Zernar out of Batman. It's just like, I want to I play with the real Batman. Nice. And it immediately was just, I was, it's awesome. This is why I love Chip Zdarsky's Batman. This is what I want. I'm so glad it's back. 
awesome. I can't it, wait to read it now. Yeah, like it's really good. And there's a backup story about Vandal Savage. Oh, cool. I so I read kind of the synopsis of what happened in um Gotham Wars. Yeah. And apparently Vandal Savage plays like a big part in that. Okay. So part of me might go back and read it one day, but I just it was too close to night terrors. Yeah. But he had something to do and now he is stuck in Gotham. Okay. So he's trying to make a home in Gotham. That's what the backstory is all about. Is him he had to like get the energy from the meteorite again to like recharge his life energy. Yeah. And that left him inside of Gotham. Somehow that involves Catwoman and everything. I don't know. Um, I, I didn't read the event, so we don't need to know that much. Yeah, we don't need to know why she's involved. But while he's in Gotham, he's like, I'm going to make this home. Mm-hmm. And he starts like kind of fighting crime in, in Gotham, but doing it the Vandal Savage way, killing people. And even yeah, and even at the same time, he's just like Batman's useless and all this yeah. stuff. So this is definitely setting up Vandal Savage to be something in the future for mm-hmm. Batman, which is really yeah. interesting. Cool. Just great, great issue. I, yeah. Nice. Shazam number five. Another one I'm disappointed to read. Yep. It was the conclusion to the whole moon thing. A bunch of like twists and turns, a big battle scene. Mary Marvel saves Billy and she kind of figures out what's going on. She's like, Dude, you're, you haven't been right for a while, and I think the gods are fucking with you. Mm-hmm. And the gods get all mad because Mary fi- figures out her their plan the whole time. And uh, the B story to that is that the, the different family members go to the Rock of Eternity with the... <laughs> With the dinosaur, the, oh, the dinosaur, yeah, yeah, and they're trying to like figure out what's going on. So there's like this kind of B story. It doesn't lead anywhere, but mm-hmm. I just love seeing that dinosaur with yeah. the monocle and top hat. He's just awesome. <laughs> love that guy. And then at the end, Billy goes to the gods and basically gives them an ultimatum, saying like, "Listen, either you stop fucking with me, mm-hmm. or I just won't be Shazam anymore." Right. And they're all kind of stunned and what do we do and all that. And that's when uh, another character pops up and says, well, fuck it. I'll be Shazam for you. And it kind of turns everything on its head. So it's a very interesting twist at the end mm-hmm. that when you get to it, I think you'll really appreciate. Cool. But yeah, Shazam's been so good. Mark Wade, baby. Thanos return of the mad Titan. Number one. Yeah. Hmm. So Thanos comes to Earth. He finds the city and like as if he was fucking Brainiac, just like pulls it out of the Earth. And um, that's funny. He wants a certain person who is obviously connected to him in some way. And the Illuminati shows up to save her and like figure things out and inform her like you've kind of been memory wiped. So. That's why you don't know what's going on, but you're really important. So we got to do something. And that's kind of the end of the issue. The first half of the issue was like, I was really confused reading it because it's just this girl in her like early twenties and she's living her life. And I literally was reading it on break at work. And I'm just like, I don't want to read about my life. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's just a girl going to work and like then going home to an empty apartment and like, I'm like, this is depressing. And I just, I'm like, yeah. I want to see Thanos punch somebody. Yeah. What the hell? So I hope he steps it up in the next issue. Uh, it just not a ton happened other than 
Thanos is playing Brainiac and the Illuminati are there for some reason. Mm. So not a great intro. God's number two from okay. Pikmin. Really, really good. Uh, kind of similar, but done really well in that it's about this girl who's going to college and she's one of these like perfectionists, has to get A on everything, doesn't go out to the parties, all that, because she feels blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. When one of the people from this science organization that studies magic finds her, it's just like, you have magical abilities inside of you. You just haven't learned to harness them yet. And we want you to come work for us so that we can help guide the way while studying your mm. progress. And that's kind of the whole back and forth uh, throughout the issue. And I like, it may not sound super interesting, but after the first issue and seeing like this, this alternate God that they created and his, and the, the woman in this story is the, the ex-wife of that God. Okay. So it, it does lead directly out of the last issue. And what they created there in this like kind of alternate corner of the Marvel universe and then this expanding on it and showing this other character who's basically an avatar for the reader to be like look at this cool facility where science and magic meet inside this Mm -hmm. world and her decision in the end so yeah gods is really good i really really enjoyed it cool um i want to save this one for last so we're going to jump over to a kickstarter book called horus and hell nice it's about a pink bunny from hell. That's awesome. The cover is really cool. I love this cover. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he gets he gets dragged out of hell through a portal. And as he gets dragged out, he declares that he's, he's going to serve this person that's saving him from his damnation and all that. And what you find out is it was a magician on stage pulling a rabbit out of the hat. Oh. So now he's got to serve this person. Hmm. And the the guy's kind of like a, a deadbeat. He's drunk all the time and That's doesn't funny. do much. But this rabbit is supposed to help him. And in that, he finds out that the guy found out how to recreate that portal. So now he's just pulling random things out of hell, which is fucking with Earth. Mm-hmm. So he has to go back to hell to find his brother, who is like a leader of a, um, basically leader of a gang down there. Okay like a war gang and uh, get his help to try to stop the magician and get all the different creatures that have escaped and bring them back to hell. So it was a really cool first issue. It's a fun premise and it's a very quick, simple read, but Mm -hmm. I I did enjoy it. So I'll be interested to see if they do more of it. Yeah. sounds cool. And then my last is a Punisher. Number one from David Pose. Oh, nice. By far my favorite thing David's done at Marvel. And that's saying a lot because I'm not a Punisher guy. Uh, It is everything he said. It feels very like as someone who's only watched the first John Wick movie, it feels very John Wick in that movie where we get kind of these detectives coming and finding out something happened to this house. It blew up. Mm -hmm. Some kids died. a, A woman died what happened here and um then throughout the issue we go back to them as they're um looking over the scene 
and we get the Punisher, the new Punisher, going to these different uh, gangland hangouts and just wiping people out, trying to find this certain person who he believes killed his family. Interesting. And all of the the artist for this, which is uh, David Watcher or Dave Watcher, mm-hmm. does a phenomenal job of doing really cool action sequences that once okay. again feel very John Wick and that he's kind of do- jumping around and shooting people and like doing cool gun tricks with it. And then we get to the end where he meets up with, so he ends up fighting Hyde and he kills his first uh, super villain. Mm-hmm. And he finds the man who he thinks killed his fan or who did kill his family. And it's this moment where he's standing and it's, they're in the subway and the train's going by mm-hmm. and the guy's holding a hostage. And it's just like, you just gotta let me go, like go or I'll kill her. And then her blood's on your hands and blah, blah. And he sits there and he thinks and he breathes and he shoots and he shoots a bullet through two cabins of the train hits him square in the eye and i was like that was awesome that's awesome like, <laughs> that's really cool and comes to the conclusion at that point like well i said i would never go back but like my job here isn't done so it's moving forward with the it's like john wick i'm thinking i'm back yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very john wick okay i gotta read it now and then yeah the b story is the detectives okay. kind of figuring out what's going on we find out that like he's wanted by the because when the family dies and the husband's nowhere to be found, the first suspect's always the husband. So now like the police want to find him, and at the same time, like everybody's discovering there's this new Punisher, but nobody knows who he is because he's like right. a secret ops or yeah. ex secret ops operative. Yeah, very very cool issue. Cool. I really highly recommend it to people. Nice. I got to check it out now. Yeah, definitely. Def- I'll be interested to see how you enjoy it. Yeah. Mike, that was everything I had this week. Uh, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you, Andrew, the show? Find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter and at uh, chriscomicscorner.substack.com. And you can find the show at fortresscomicnews.com or at fortresscomics underscore on Twitter. If you want to support the show, five star reviews on Podcatchers, go to the YouTube. Like, subscribe, share, comment down below. And uh, you can also go to patreon.com slash Fortress Comics. So that's everything we have for you this week. We'll see you all here next week. 